0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We're glad that you're here. Welcome to all of those uh, church at home family, all of those outside in the courtyard, everyone over at the gathering place. We're glad that you're here. Uh, I've had a fun morning going around congratulating everyone on the deer that they have harvested thus far. If you've harvested a deer, let me see your hands. It should only be young people raising their hands right now, I think, legally. Uh, Dad was just there for moral support. Uh, I got to tell you, Amy had me plant three beautiful little evergreens in our front yard last year, and they just started to take off, and they're gorgeous. And and one buck this week scraped one of those trees down to nothing. I, I... I've never been mad at an animal in my entire life. I can honestly say that. But now I find myself sitting at the end of our street in the dark. (laughs) Waiting for him to cross the road. I got a light bar on my truck because I'm a redneck. And uh, I'm going to pop that light bar on and I'm taking him out. But I've also thought about offering a bounty to all of my friends in here with guns. Raise your hand if you have a gun with you right now. No, don't raise your hand. So... We're glad you're making church a priority this morning. As part of our worship, uh, we take an offering, and we're grateful for your generosity. Thank you for how well you've been giving. And there's many ways to give. Uh, Many of you will drop a gift in the box on your way out, and we say thank you for that. Uh, Amy and I actually have started using the Church Center app. You can go to the App Store and download that and look up Woodland Hills Family Church, and we just have our tithes and offerings set up as recurring. Uh, Online, right now, you can hit the church online, or give online now button. You can do that in here as well. And then the new one that we just added last week is you can text uh, to give, and then the amount, 84321. And uh, again, your generosity allows us to do so much. Uh, Really cool. We're actually talking about a little bit in the message today, but uh, the pastors. One of the benefits, the blessings Uh, That has come out of the pandemic is that uh, churches and pastors are more together in this community, I think, than ever before. And I think it started back in March of 2020 when on that, I don't know if you remember, on that Saturday night we were sitting there figuring out what we were going to do. Are we open? Are we close? Or what are we doing? And, and I was kind of waiting. And Jeremy at first, Baptist, I'm like, you make the decision, then I'll say it's all your fault uh, when this goes bad. But it was so funny. That whole day, we're back and forth. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it bonded us. And now, uh, over the last couple of weeks, trying to figure out ways, uh, other churches in town, we've been talking about how we can uh, be a blessing to this community together, uh, pooling our resources and our giving together in many ways, and so uh, excited about what God's uh, doing in that. So if you're new to our church, we started a series last week. You're jumping in right at the right time. You can catch last week's message online. Uh, We're going through the book of Philippians in a series called Greater Joy. And here's the bottom line. Greater joy uh, is possible... In any season or stage of life, when your goal in life is to glorify Jesus, period. When it is about glorifying you, when I'm about glorifying me, that's when I'm going to deal with some things. But when I am about glorifying Jesus, as we're going to see Paul clearly shares this with the church at Philippi, uh, this is through any season or stage of life you can find greater joy. And I know some of you uh, tonight are going to be passing out these little bags that are called fun size. And let's all be honest, fun size equals half joy, half joy. How many of you are passing out fun size with six M&Ms per bag? There's there's things worse than this. Amy and I are passing out this tonight, little dull mini salads. That's really the only thing I want to see mini. All right, that's the only fun size. I went online. Now, here's what we're going to do outside gathering place, even at home. Would you please raise your hand as I go through this list of, this has been voted on worldwide, worst giveaways on this day. And and if you've ever given out any of what I'm about to share, would you please raise your hand and confess your sins before this congregation? <laughs> Here we go. Raisins. <laughs> There's going to be a couple. Of, oh, this next one. Toothbrushes or floss. The dentist in the room. If you ever... Apples. Okay, that's all right. I love this. This is someone who forgot what day it is. Loose change. <laughs> giving out loose change. Okay. I don't believe this, but people tell stories about it. Coupons. Who's here giving out a coupon? Nobody gives out coupons. Wax lips. I'll be real honest. I'm going to get a lot of hands on that. You've given out wax lips. Okay. Weird unwrapped candy. If any of you have ever had your house egged and you're like, I'm wondering, I'm, this could be my clue right here. Why I, why, why I get tp in the neighborhood? Pencils. You've given out a pencil. There's all the teachers. You've given out all, the whole list. <laughs> That's all right. Go with fun size. We'll start there. Uh, breath mints. And then all the Ludens people in the room lozenges. Anybody give out lozenges on this day? Well, we're about full joy at this church. So who wants full size? We're giving out the full. There you go. All right, we're about we're doing a series full joy. And somebody somebody run this. Hey hey, come on, run this to somebody in the courtyard and just throw it out there. Look at making you go from the front row. <laughs> somebody going. What about the courtyard? What about the gathering place? Why? I tell you what, why don't you open the bag, go into the gathering place first, <laughs> sprinkle some in the first person's hand you see, and then give the rest of the bag to somebody. We'll just keep in line with the list. So today we're going to ask the question, is it possible to have greater joy when things are uncertain or when you face opposition? And the answer is yes, when your life is about glorifying Jesus. And, uh, when we, when we, whew, what a perfect time to launch into uncertainty. And it's interesting how much of a sacred echo, thank you, uh, how much of a sacred echo is coming out of our armor series. If you're new to our church, we just went through the armor of God out of Ephesians chapter six. And, and again, that's Paul writing to the church at Ephesus here. He's writing to the church at Philippi and we're seeing so much of the same, um, The themes coming out of this great book that we need. And in uncertainty, uh, we can become fearful. Uh, Go through a few of them. Some of you have a fear of failure. Uh, You're not going to start that new business because you don't know for sure if it's going to succeed. You're not certain that it's going to succeed. And you have analysis paralysis. You spend so much time, you know, figuring things out. And then you ultimately don't do it because you don't want to fail. Maybe on your job, you're being offered a bigger project and, and you're like, I don't want to let the boss down. And so you don't take a project or even maybe a promotion for fear of failure. Some of you have come out of a bad breakup. For my single friends in the room, and you know what I'm talking about. You, you had a bad breakup. You gave so much of your heart away to this other person. You shared maybe too much, too soon. Too soon. And now there's another relationship before you and you don't want to fail in this relationship. So you're holding back. Some of you, same thing with the divorce. You came out of a a terrible divorce and information about you, uh, the life that you lived with this person is now being used against you and it's holding you back. And maybe some of you aren't uh, even considering marriage because of the fear of failure. How about the fear of the future? Uh, we, we we get analysis paralysis we won't make decisions just ordinary decisions for fear we don't know what's going to happen have you ever heard someone say had i only known well of course you would have made a different decision if i would have seen this coming well of course we all would hindsight's 2020 20. we get that but it can that uncertainty can give us a fear and say i'm not going to make any decisions today it's, it's it's in the text and it hits us on this day where many people are obsessed with death, we're talking about the fear of death. But I want to tell you something, and you're going to see it in the text today. If you have your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1, you're going to see that Paul is in this tension between life and death. But guess what? He has no fear of death. Follower of Jesus, we should not fear death. We should not fear death. And I'll even say on this day, October 31st, we shouldn't be obsessed with death. But many people are. We here. And this is, you can get a lot of different studies and research, but among Americans, about 63% of us uh, will ask a lot of questions about our death and become fearful at some point in our life about death. So, the two big questions around it when will I die? Today, tomorrow, the next day? I. I don't have, I don't watch horror movies. I can't do, I I just have never been into them. I I fear I'll pass out uh, with my basil bagel and all that I got going on. So I've never been into gory movies or horror movies, but I am into these end of the world movies. I don't know why I'm obsessed with them. Uh, Amy will come in the family room and, and look at the TV and be like, you're watching Armageddon again? I go, yeah, because I just feel like I'll be there when the world needs saving. When my family needs saving, I'm Liam Neeson. But when the world needs saving, I'm Bruce Willis. Isn't he always there when things go down? When, and I, I guess I'm intrigued by... They, they put a clock in these movies. 2012, uh, Deep Impact, Armageddon. There's like, here is when the asteroid is hitting, extinction level event. Your life will be over in like four days... Three hours, 22 minutes. I mean, so it's not just the when, but it's the how will I die? And it's it's fascinating to me all of the questions those movies bring out, just the ethical decisions. And obviously, I'm processing all these movies from a biblical perspective to go, how would I handle this very moment? Would I be the one to get in a space shuttle and land on the asteroid and drill an 800-foot hole (laughs) to drop a nuclear bomb? It's possible probably need more training but they didn't have a lot of training in that movie (laughs) but what do you see in that movie you see in that movie some people when they knew the end was near they did what man they went after as much pleasure as they could get another man wanted to go and see his son who he's been estranged from Right, So it's just all those questions that come about. We, follower of Jesus, should not be obsessed with the when or the how we'll die. We should be focused on living for Jesus in this life. And then when he calls us home, that's great joy too. And that's exactly what Paul says today as we read through Philippians chapter 1. But it's also how we want... Every single one of us to process the issues around life and death. So, for context, let's get let's be clear on the context. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi while he awaits a hearing before Caesar's court. Okay, and I just I love this. We saw it last week that word of Jesus had spread through the palace guard, and I love that. Why? Because most scholars agree that Paul in the, at this time would have been chained to a Roman soldier twenty four hours a day under house arrest. And the changing of the guard was every six hours, so he would have had four new soldiers, or four soldiers every day that he was with. And I want to remind you, Paul is the one who prayed without ceasing. Talked about Jesus all the time. What chains we think would hold people back, no, those chains advanced the gospel of Jesus. Now, in that day, first and second century, Roman law prohibited soldiers from marrying, but they had de facto marriages, and they fathered children. And I just, I think about... How the gospel got out with a man being in chains. And now watch this. A hearing before Caesar's court. Now, What does Paul see a hearing before Caesar's court as? It's one more pulpit. It's one more opportunity before Caesar's court to share the gospel of Jesus. And there, he doesn't know, but in the text he's going to know by the time we work through this text today. He will either lose his head or be given his freedom. So his tension, and the tension we see in this text between life and death, is between martyrdom or freedom. And you know what he says? So long as Christ is glorified. It doesn't matter. So long as Christ is glorified. One of the best sermons. To me, the title of the sermon is, is everything you need. You just hear the title. You're like, well, I probably should listen to the sermon. But the title alone by Pastor John Piper God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I'm going to say that a few times, a couple different ways, because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Why are people not experiencing greater joy today in the church? Why are believers in Christ Jesus not experiencing greater joy in their walk with Christ? I think if I were to reword that title a little bit is because we want to praise and worship God or bring glory to God, but we spend a lot of time satisfying ourselves. We make our life about me and about what I want and about what I get and about my brand and my platform and bringing glory to me and satisfaction to me. But God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. He's most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. And I just, I can't think as I read through, Philippians 1. And as Paul is going to wrestle with this martyrdom or freedom, life or death, I read in Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you been there at the bedside of someone who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death and they have great joy? I have. I have great joy. Because they want not only in their life, their marriage and their family and their work to bring glory to Jesus, but even in their death. They want to bring honor and glory to their savior. I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So let's jump into Philippians chapter one. And you'll know that we ended last week with the preaching of the gospel. And he said, whether it's with bad motives or good motives, proper motives or improper motives, he says, so long as the gospel is preached, the pure gospel is preached. He says, in that I can rejoice now he's going to say, and I will continue to rejoice. And here's what he's going to rejoice in as we close out this chapter today. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Will turn out for my rescue. Because either way, I win. He goes on, I just this text. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage As I stand before them, I want the courage. And he's going to tell us in a moment again. I just want you to see there's the stand, 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 stand firm, stand firm, stand firm when opposition. We're on the uncertainty part now, but when opposition hits, you continue to stand firm. I I want to have courage. I want in no way to be ashamed so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted, glorified in my body, in my life, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if if you're wrestling, and you've wrestled with life and death, and you're concerned, and you fret over when you'll die or how you'll die, Amy and I have caught ourselves doing this. I don't know if you do this, but we've had lists. Like, we sit down sometimes, it makes for a terrible date night. Like, here are all the ways we don't want to die. Have you ever done that? Most people you talk to, they'll say, I want to go in my sleep. Well, of course you want to go in your sleep, pain-free, no suffering, didn't see it coming. But these ways I don't want to go. Listen, how you live is far more important than how or when you die. We don't need to obsess over the timing of our departure. We don't need to obsess over the way in which we depart. We are called to live for Christ here upon this earth and then in our death. We are face to face with Christ, and that's my prayer for each one of you, that you'll know we had this as part of the armor series under the helmet of salvation. That you would know for certain that you were saved. That you would know for certain that Jesus is your Savior. James four fourteen talks again, continuing with this uncertainty. Yet yeah, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. So here's what we do know about life upon this earth. You are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Life is short. Life is short. Psalm 90 and verse 10 adds to the brevity of life, difficulty, and pain. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Talking about ordinary lifespan. Yet the best of them, hear that? The best of them, the best of the 70 or 80 days, are but trouble and sorrow. Welcome to Willow Hills Family Church. We're here to encourage you on your journey today. Some of you are like, this is one of the worst messages, but it's Halloween. I bet he's probably doing this on purpose. But here's it again. For they quickly pass, and we fly away. Every time I say, "What does everybody want to start singing when you see the end of that psalm?" Ah, fly away, oh glory! Stop it. We're gonna keep on moving forward. Life is short. Life is difficult. Life is a grind. Life is challenging. Now keep adding. I, this is this should be building our theology of what Ecclesiastes called life under the sun, life upon this earth. Psalm goes on and. Uh, chapter 102, verses 11 and 12. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass, but you Lord sit enthroned forever. So now over our lives, they're short, they're difficult, but God is sovereign over all. Rest in that. Find peace in that. Find joy in that. Goes on. Your renown endures through all generations. In Psalm or in James chapter one, verses two and three, you know this was uh, one of our first elders at our church, Gary Smalley. This was his like go-to verse. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sister, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Remember, when he bring the pom-poms up like cheerleaders? Like, don't go looking for trials. Don't pick fights. But when trials come your way, we're cheering them on. We know they're going to come and we've said this time and time again over the last few months, Christians, we have got to stop being shocked when we experience experience trials. The the shock of like, I can't believe this is happening. We're told. Scripture's clear on it. It's going to happen. We know and we can rejoice. Consider it pure joy. We can have greater joy through it all because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Timothy Keller puts it this way, and I love it. He kind of fixes... In the minds of Christians, a lot of us believe coming to Christ means we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and problem-free. The basic premise of religion, that if you try hard to be good, things will go go well for you, is wrong. Jesus lived perfectly, yet he suffered. Now, let's be clear before we get into the rest of this text. I do not want to suffer in my death. I'm pretty clear on that. I've told Amy that. I'm pretty clear on that. Don't, I don't want to suffer. But I got to be honest, when I'm over the bed of someone who has greater joy because they're all about glorifying Jesus, they never look at me and say, hey, would you pray for no suffering? Would you pray for pain-free? You know, someone who has the joy of Jesus deep down in their heart, they know I want to end well. I want in my life and my death to bring glory to him. And some people. And I get I get the prayer. Pastorally I understand the prayer. The prayer is. I don't want my loved one to suffer. We just don't have that promise. Do I want to suffer? No. No. But my. What's greater for me. Than suffering. Is that whoever's gathered around me. Or maybe not. I mean, It may not be. How I go to meet Jesus. I. I have a greater desire to glorify Jesus than the the how or the when of my death. Following Jesus, we were seeing in this series, following Jesus doesn't make life easier. You still have 70, 80 years upon this earth if your strength endures, and they're full of sorrow and anguish. The best of them are full of sorrow and anguish. But following Jesus brings greater joy in the difficult seasons of life. When When you are about... Uh, bringing glory to him, most satisfied in him rather than yourself. So how you live, very important over more important than how you'll die or when you'll die. But here's even more, and we want this settled for you. Where you go when you die is far more important than how or when you die. We want that settled for you. We want that settled. I was talking to a friend this week, uh, and, and he was... He's kind of getting on me because I'm pretty passionate about this one area of theology. And he said, you need to lighten up a little bit on that. I go, are you serious? He said, yeah. He goes, why? why do you feel you should be so settled on that? I said, And it's an issue of marriage and family and all that. I said, well, here's why I want to be settled on that. I want to be settled on this issue biblically because I want to be settled on this issue as well. I said, and I have a hard time looking out over a congregation and saying, the Bible says this, but it's not really what it means on an issue related to lifestyle or to choices. But then when we talk about salvation to say, well, this is what the Bible says. And then you start asking, well, is that really what it means? This is why we want to be settled (laughs) on what we believe. This is why we want you to be settled on knowing where you go when you die. Like, really be concerned. If you're watching all the movies today and thinking, I really got to get into this and figure out some things and all that, make sure you know Jesus is my Savior. Heaven is my home. And so here's the tension. Here's the tension that we continue reading in Philippians, verse 22. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Meaning I'll be able to continue to proclaim the gospel, no matter what happens to me here, rich or poor, in chains or free. Yet what shall I choose? Look at this. I do not know. What's the tension? I am torn between the two. But in the tension between life and death is greater joy. And that greater joy is glorifying Jesus, period. He says, because both. Watch. He says, I'm torn. I desire to depart and be with Christ. This is not a suicidal thought. This is, this is what every Christian should have. One eye here upon this earth and one eye on heaven. Focused. He says, man, don't, do you not It's why we sing all these great songs. I grew up singing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. My favorite was, and we were, we were in Chicago singing, when the roll is called up yonder. We weren't even in the south and we were singing that song. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. We used to have, I mean, these great hymns as we thought about the day where we would depart and be with Jesus, which is better by far. We don't get too comfortable. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body and continue to encourage you and continue to disciple you. And John Piper, he talks about this tension. I love his text. He goes, if you let me live, Christ will be honored on earth in my life. And if you know Pastor John Piper, it is, he has one theme. It is all about glorifying Jesus, period. There's no other theme. There's no other little rabbit trail he takes. That is it. Every message begins and ends with glorifying Jesus. But if you take away my life, I get more of Christ in heaven. And what does he say? I can't lose. That's why we can have greater joy in this tension. Years ago, I was probably 12, I don't know, 15 years ago, a gentleman in our church uh, was diagnosed with cancer. It was an aggressive form in late stages, and, and he was doing aggressive treatments. And I'll, I'll never forget the video that he filmed uh, before he went to be with the Lord. He just, to hear someone with cancer share his story with great joy. Joy wasn't in what the doctors were going to do or not do. His joy wasn't found in what would happen with this cancer or not happen with it. His joy was in Jesus. And I'll never forget him saying, here's the plan. Here's what we're hoping happens. Here's what we're praying for. What we'd like to see, I'd love to be here longer for my children and for my grandchildren. And then after he shared that, he turned into, but the thoughts of being with Jesus... Exactly what Paul's saying here. The thoughts of being with the Lord, and I'll never forget—he said almost the exact same thing. I can't lose. This is a win-win for me. Whatever happens, how, how how strong is your faith right now? Do you have that type of faith in Jesus? Because that is where you begin the journey to finding greater joy. Now, verse twenty-five. We don't know exactly how Paul comes to this conclusion, but he's going to share that he has been given the knowledge that he will not suffer death or he will not be beheaded. Uh, He will not lose his life. He will not be a martyr. But when I read it, I, I think yet, years later, he would be. But we don't know if it's prophetically through the Holy Spirit or maybe a Roman soldier tipped him off. We don't know. But here's what we do know from verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. I'm going to continue to be here for you. And But I go back to everything we already know about life and death. I will continue to be here. I will remain for a little while longer. It's something my kids say. I share it too much. You know, uh, I talk about death a lot. I told my son, it comes with the job. Uh, my son's going to be the first speaker at my funeral. If he's alive when I go, uh, he's going to stand up and almost with exasperated breath, stand at a mic and go, The day my dad has longed for and talked about for years is finally here. (laughs) When have you been to a funeral that starts off that way? And you know my funeral, I'm doing two uh, funerals, uh, probably on a Tuesday. We're going to do shows at 3 and eight. Some of you will come to my matinee funeral. Others will come to the live show at 8. And as Tim Hawkins said, I'm going to put the fun back in funeral. We find greater joy. And he says this, convinced of this, I know I will remain. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So it's a great purpose for me to stick around, he says. I'm going to continue. So that through... By being with you again, you're boasting, not in yourself, not finding satisfaction in yourself. You're boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Now we move from uncertainty. So now that he's staying and now that he's going to remain, he's not going to lose his head. Now that it turns from this uncertainty, the text moves to opposition and greater joy is possible when facing opposition. Verse 27, we're going to get two word pictures. One is a word picture from uh, our citizenship, and the other is a word picture from athletics, from sports teams. And you know how awesome I am with delivering sports analogies. Uh, But we're going to try it. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves. This is now speaking of a citizenship. Now, Philippi is a colony of the Roman Empire. And so he's saying, know where your citizenship is on this earth, but make no mistake, you are citizens of the kingdom of God. You are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, first and foremost. And we need to read this today, citizens of the United States of America. That is not your primary citizenship. Have we not talked about this like crazy over the last year and a half? Everything about being a citizen of the United States of America should come through the filter of the fact that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. First and foremost, you have a dual citizenship, but a primary citizenship in heaven. And he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves as a citizen of heaven in the midst of being in Philippi and under the Romans. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know... Theme throughout all the armor series, that you stand firm in one spirit. Now we move from citizenship to athletics, striving together. This is the word picture of a team. We are standing together as a team. Friday night I know was the senior night for many of uh, our young uh, football players in our church. I talked to parents on Saturday um, who were quite emotional, and I know a lot of parents are emotional on that senior's last game. But it was interesting, the, there was very little in our conversation about the sport of football. But you know what the conversation was about? The team. And how these young men grew up from junior high all the way through their senior year together as a team. They were there for one another. They did Bible studies together. They were together. And I, when I see this, striving together and stand firm. This is, I, I'm not speaking prophetically right now because if I'm wrong, I'll be stoned. So I'm not doing that. But I'm telling you, we have faced opposition. We have, followers of Jesus. I don't think we faced opposition like we're going to face what's coming. I, I, and I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not calling out a time. I'm not calling out when it is. But I, I have been watching friends of mine, I mean, almost like getting picked off. Because, you know, there's, there's, there's the term, there's a lot of people right now deconstructing their faith. And with that, it's not just that they're you know, frustrated with the evangelical church. Some of them would call themselves ex evangelicals They're frustrated with the evangelical church, they're, but they want to see it. I mean, it's, it's, we're beyond cancel culture. It's burn it to the ground. And I, I just, I've, I've watched some of my friends go through it, and I don't know if you know this, but I, we as a teaching team, we say some things that you just wait for the day that a video is edited together from things said over the last five or ten years. You just wait. You're like, are you challenging someone in the, with video skills in this room right now to make that? No, I'm not. I'm just saying, it's happening. It's happening. But you know how we make it through? By standing firm together. And I'm so grateful. like, Just in what I do outside of this church and speaking on marriage, and you know I'm not shy, and I'm no longer going to be shy at all about the beliefs we have on marriage. Just a number of you that have come up to me and have just said in passing, we got your back. Keep it, keep speaking. And, and Ted, we're here if you keep speaking. If you stop speaking, that's when we might have to look elsewhere. But we're striving together with you. We're gonna stand together. Some of you in this room texted me this morning. Hey, I'm with you for the gospel. We're not backing down. We're standing firm and we're striving together as a team throughout all of it. I don't know what opposition we're going to face, but I do know as we do this together and for the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Travis Bronner, I think he was trying to encourage me back after 830. He said, yeah, you know, you could be destroyed in the next year. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, But I have to remind you, Ted, the church won't be. It can't be. The gates of hell can come against it and it won't take the church out. And, and, I, and man, when I think, I, 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 and I told him, I said, if that happens, I'm going to be a guide, full-time fly fishing guide in Alaska. Uh, and you can join me there if you want to bring your spouse on a, on a trip. How you respond to opposition matters. How we respond to opposition truly matters. We need to be reminded of that. Why? Because we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And we respond to opposition like Jesus responded to opposition. Opposition that took him to the cross. That's where we go to with life and death. Are you to that point in your faith that you're now willing to give your life for the gospel? How we respond matters. How you respond to family and friends who oppose your faith, it matters. Your approach, it matters. How you respond to people online. Don't think you're hiding behind a keyboard. Those are real people on the other side of that. How you respond to them matters. But we've said it, and I'll just say it again avoid the drift from truth. And we will avoid the drift from truth that I'm seeing many churches, I'm seeing many pastors head down this road. They're drifting from truth. I'm telling you, we we won't. We will stand firm. This is just our challenge that Paul gives us today. Can we do this together? Can we strive together in standing firm? This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. Verse 28 says, and and that by God. For it has been granted to you. Hold on to that for a second. Granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Believer in Christ, some of you are like, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, you believe in Jesus. Are you ready to suffer for him? Because I think we want the belief in Jesus. I want heaven as my home. But this I want to avoid at all cost. Standing firm, striving together. Conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Because we will suffer for him. But verse 30, look at what verse 30 says. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. He's saying, you know how you blessed me? here in chains and the struggles I've had up to this point and look at I still have he said now as you get bold in your faith and as you begin to proclaim and as you've been bold and strengthened because of my encouragement and the example you've seen me living out now here under house arrest it means you will face opposition too and he says I'll get to return to you what you gave to me that's striving together and remember suffering for Christ is not in this, we're not talking about punishment, discipline, or an accident. We're talking about something, what did the scripture say? Granted to us. It's been given to to. I want to live for Christ. I want to suffer with Christ. I want to do that well, bringing glory to him, because I know ultimately I'll be with Christ. You are not alone in your suffering. You have others that stand with you, and you're not in battle alone. We're in battle together. And I'm just, I just want to say as we end this, and I know Katie started with pastor appreciation, I want to appreciate our congregation for a congregation that is, is strong and standing and striving together. So on behalf of our whole team, our whole church, uh, I love you, and I'm grateful for you, and uh, thank you for continuing to strive together for the gospel. Let's pray. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you continue to do in this church. We want to face opposition and uncertainty well, because it matters. We want to do it in a way worthy of the gospel of Jesus. So teach us, uh, rebuke us, bring us to a place of repentance where we need to repent. Yes, we have the truth, but sometimes we stand in a way and our approach is poor. We want to, we want to, we want to stand strong on scripture in a way that glorifies God. In our life and in our death, we bring glory to Jesus. We want to be most satisfied in Christ. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. They would confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, repent of their sins, believe that he's been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...